On this episode of Our Voices Matter podcast, we continue to shine a light on coronavirus, COVID-19, and those whose lives are being directly impacted by it in ways that some of us can't imagine, those of us who've been fortunate enough to remain healthy. Of course, we've got our frontline workers, but also, of course, those who have actually been infected with the virus and are trying to recover from it. Our guest today is Leslie Throop. Leslie's a retired financial planner uh, here in the Houston area. And Leslie, take me back a couple of weeks ago or whenever it was that you first started to feel ill and you weren't quite sure what you were looking at. Okay, hi. Um, it's been a, a good two weeks that I've been going through all the different um, ways that this affects your body. Uh, initially, I felt that I was getting ill, but I didn't have too many symptoms for a couple days. I just would start run fevers in the evening. And then it suddenly became a higher fever and then it added a dry cough. And then I got very sick where I had very little energy. Um, I, I couldn't really taste or smell anything. I just basically tried to get from one room to the other in my house and get fluids in me all day long. Um, that the one night during that time, I began having uh, pressure and heat in my chest. I would call it a burning sensation. And that um, has been a problem for me all the way through yesterday, even though some of my other symptoms have cleared up. My lungs have cleared up. My cough has more or less cleared up. Um, but the burning sensation has been puzzling. Um, and hopefully, maybe it'll be gone today. Maybe I'll be done with all this because I'm very ready to go back to normal life. So tell me, when you started to feel these symptoms, I would assume that you went somewhere to try to get a test. So what was that process like? Were you, were you able to readily access a test? No. Um, I, was, I had a very difficult time getting any health care at all, frankly. I, um, I called the night that my fever was running so high, the after-hours doctor at my office, and they referred me over to a website which told me to call the Board of Health in Montgomery County which is what I did, and they recorded my symptoms and said that if I got any worse, I should go to an emergency room. Um, and I said, what should I do to help myself? And they said, there is no cure for this, so just try to do the best you can. So that was the first call, and I got significantly worse from there, So, but I didn't even feel well enough to call the Board of Health back. I, a few days later, I did call, and um, the same kind of thing. I, I said, maybe I should go and have a test. They said, well, you have all the symptoms, but there's no test. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do? And they said, well, we know there's a couple freestanding ERs up here. They have limited tests. If you had pneumonia, we would give you a test. But what we're doing is we're, we have a lot of flu tests and we have a lot of strep tests. So if you go to the freestanding ER, we'll give you 
those tests. And then if you fail them, then we'll know that you have COVID-19. We're kind of, that's, we don't have enough tests to do it any other way. And we're only using tests for the people who, um, who can't breathe. So um, I said, well, I, you know, I, I'm terribly fatigued. I can't imagine trying to drive some, somewhere right now to do that. And I, I've had strep and I don't have the symptoms of the sore throat. It was extreme with that. I don't have that. And then a supervisor at the Board of Health got on and said, look, you don't need to go to the freestanding ER. You don't, you, you don't need to go have these tests. I, I've seen enough of this now. You, you know, take care of yourself and try to get in to see your doctor once the weekend's over because, you, you know, you're demonstrating um, that you have the virus and there's really no point in you leaving the house and going over there for tests that are really unnecessary. And she said, just, you know, know that if, it, if you start to have trouble breathing, call 911 and get yourself to uh, a hospital, which was mostly what I was told. I was never told uh, what to do that. And I did ask, is there something I could be doing to help myself to not feel like this? Anything that you know. And a couple times I was told, sorry, there's no cure. One woman said, um, treat it like a flu and drink fluids and rest. That was good advice. That, that became my protocol that I developed to take care of myself with the lack of knowledge, it seemed, that was out there. So I did, I did get a hold of my doctor then when the new week began, still was not feeling well. And um, they didn't want me to come into the office with the symptoms I had. They agreed they would have a virtual uh, visit with me in the afternoon. And he, he listened to me. He's a very compassionate, good doctor. And he said, look, I don't know 100% what you have, but I think the first thing I want to do is send you for uh, a virus test. And he said, we've just set up a isolation unit up here affiliated with Methodist Hospital because I'm up in Montgomery County. And um, he said, you can call there. They have a lot of tests and a lot of openings and I can refer you today. So that's what we did. And I went the following morning and uh, that was the first I'd been out of my house in about a week. And I, I struggled driving. I, I did not know how disoriented and out of it I really had become. But the, the virus itself is very different than anything I've ever had. It keeps changing in your system. And you might feel good and strong for a few hours and then the next minute you're covered in chills and and you're hot and your chest is burning and you and you can't do anything so you're always vacillating um that day i focused as hard as i could got down there and i was tested um that was a strange setting in and of itself because I honestly, I, when I left, I felt like a, a leprosy patient. Um, no one said hello. No, they just gave me commands and had me move along. No one said, you know, hope you feel better. There was, it was just this very sterile environment. I guess I thought I'd have my temperature taken. I thought I'd be checked a little bit, but there was no touching. 
you had cones, orange cones that you stood at until they gave you the command to go to the next place. And I ended up in a chair and got the swab down into the back. And um, then everyone left and a person walked in and laid a piece of paper on, on a, a table. And they said, pick this up when you leave and go directly out the door that you left immediately. So I did that and no idea really what to expect. There was some information on the sheet about I would have a result in three to four days. So I thought, okay, you know, and I went home and just continued to do my drinking. I mean, I've been drinking, trying to drink something of substance each hour and um, build my immune system, stay hydrated, and then just resting in between. And really, some days I don't even know what I did. I just was kind of out of it, basically. Um, so when you when you got the the test back, it said. So that so 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 that didn't come until the following Friday, and um, it was entered into my online chart. Uh, no one called me about it, but I saw that my chart had new information, and I looked it up, and it said um, that it was. Uh, COVID-19 negative. And I thought, okay, I don't have that. What is wrong with me? Because my symptoms had not changed much at that point. I was still experiencing hot, hot chest pain, fatigue, chills, and just genuinely not able to function. And so I didn't hear from anyone from the doctor, so I eventually called the, the after-call doctor, and my doctor did call me. He said it, it was an error. They should have made a phone call to me directly. He said, I put it in your chart thinking, well, by now she probably feels okay since she shows negative, and uh, she might be looking for the results, so I'll, I'll just put it in her chart. And he said, I didn't know that, that you had had no follow-up. And how are you? And I said, I'm exactly the same as I was on Monday. I haven't improved. Um, and he said, okay, that's what I was afraid of. He said, look, you, he said, these, these tests are one in three failed. It's a 30% fail rate. He said, I think what you are is a false negative. And he said, I think we're going to continue to treat you as a COVID-19 case. He said, you are roughly uh, five, six days behind another patient that I have that is near recovery. You demonstrate the same sy sy symptoms. And so that gives us an idea of where you should expect to go just keep doing the things you've been doing for yourself. You've been doing, you've been doing good. And uh, let's talk Monday and see where you are. So I thought, okay, I, I just kept taking care of myself. And then that, that brings us into this week. And Monday I called to give them an update um, that I, I was having a little bit more energy. I was starting to feel less uh, cloudy. That was another, another part of this that was 
quite upsetting was sometimes I didn't know what I was talking about. It was like I was mentally out of it. And then other times I was totally fine. So it seemed to kind of flip around a lot. When I say that, I mean like one area would be good and another wouldn't. And then sometimes all the symptoms came at once. Definitely in the evenings, worse than the day, the days. Uh, so Monday, I, um, I didn't reach anyone at the office and no one called me back. And I called Tuesday um, and uh, same thing, couldn't get anybody. So yesterday was Wednesday and I did get a call and they said, um, you know, doctor wants to know how you are. I said, I, I think I'm improving, but I still am having a lot of chest pressure and heat in my chest. I call it burning. It's very heavy. It feels like someone's got a hand across your chest and it's like a searing burning feeling. And I, I have had this all the way through. So um, I said, I, I would like for the doctor to talk to me about that. What, you know, what, what is going on with that? And um, I never heard back anything. And the feeling stayed all day. And I also started having irregular and rapid heartbeats all through the day, just periods where my... Um, my heart was acting up in some fashion. So I called the doctor again and um, said, you know, I'm having this situation. And she told me that um, she would send him a message, but they had been very busy and um, she hadn't had time to make any calls to me. Um, I never heard from him. And by 5.30 or so, my, uh, the heat coming off of me, my temperature was up. I was having another episode, and it seemed late. So I was concerned because my heart seemed very involved. And um, I finally... You must have been terrified, got, Leslie. I can't even imagine this. You must have been terrified. I, I feel like... I had to advocate for myself and demand care through all of this versus feeling like um, there was anything out there. It was uncomfortable. It's actually made me really rethink living alone <laughs> um, because if you don't feel well and you have to try to get people to help you and they're busy or they're, they're I don't know what exactly happened Eventually, around 8.30 at night, the after-hours folks got a hold of my doctor, and he said he didn't know I, I wanted to talk to him. So, you know, he said, I never received any messages from you all day. So there's something going on there that isn't working at their office, but he felt I should go to the hospital. So that's what I did. I went, I called 911, and they picked me up, and... Um, they put me on fluids and oxygen and this and that, and they checked my this, heart. This was, last, this was last night you're talking about, right? Yep. This was last night. And um, they couldn't figure anything out. They called me the quarantine patient. And uh, the doctor I had with the 
with the heat on my chest, she said she saw that my heart was moving around, but it, it wasn't going out of a normal range. So if my rate would go to 67 and then it would go up to 89, 97, but it would never, you know, those ranges apparently are okay, but it wasn't staying steady the way I'm normally feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, they never figured it out. They did a bunch of tests. They did 10 vials of blood. They ran tests twice. Um, they found a couple things that they wanted to make sure weren't right. And they ended up giving me um, a drug that addresses uh, protons. It, it, it like some kind of a proton drug. And she decided that maybe I had indigestion. And that was causing the burning in my chest. Indigestion? For the last two and a half, almost three weeks? Right. So I was treated for that chest pain as a reaction coming from indigestion. And I was given this proton inhibitor, it's called. Um, Pantalosi, I think, is the drug intravenously. And then they also gave me um, a dose of lorazepam right before they released me. So I had... Did they release you last night or this morning? They, I was there for about three hours. So total time away from home, about five, because the hospital is almost an hour from me. I didn't have a ride at that time, so I called an Uber. And... um, she was worried about having me in her car. Um, yeah. And I felt did you, bad. Did, you have, a, did you have a mask? Did. Did, you have a, did you have a mask on, Leslie? I had and, a mask on the whole time. The whole time. And did, did the Uber driver have a mask? Urban, everyone I was with had masks on mask. everywhere. Okay. Everywhere yeah. they had them. And she, what she did was she had me sterilize my hands with sanitizer before I got in the car and then she opened the door when I got out and she was sterilizing the whole car in front of my house. It was about two o'clock in the morning and I was walking the best I could after having been given that shot of something that I think is meant to calm you down Mm. or something. So it was, you know, I was having the symptoms that I have in front of medical community and they did not see anything wrong except that my heart was within ranges and not doing what it normally would do, but there must be some explanation and the burning, there must be some explanation. I don't know what it is. At this point, I'm probably not going to seek any more medical help. It hasn't benefited me and I'm just going to stick to my fluids and, uh, you know, taking it slow until I have the energy to go back to my daily life, which I hope happens soon because I'm now, this is day 15 and I do feel more clear headed. There's no doubt about it. I could not have done this speak to you, uh, last week. I, I didn't have the ability to to think or speak well. So whatever happens with this COVID when they figure it out, 
my impression is that it's not a normal flu at all. It's extremely difficult to go through, but partly it's because it keeps changing. So you you don't see a steady path towards improvement. It goes away and then it comes back and you can literally feel your body fighting it. You know, you can feel the sense that now it's here again. Today's going to be a rough day. You got to hunker down and, and work on fighting it. And then, boy, the next day you wake up and you think, maybe I can do some work today. Maybe my brain works. It's real different. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I don't I'm, know where it came from, but um, it. I'm kind of glad that I'm at the end of it. I hope they get an antibody test. Uh, I did ask at the doctor why she wouldn't use the 15-minute test, you know, that they say they have here. And she said they don't have them. Um, the one that Abbott Lab made where you can yeah. get tested and you have a result right back. You mm-hmm. know, my doctor even said she'll probably retest you for the COVID. She didn't. She said the only test that she had is what she would send out the same way, which has the the high fail rate. So we don't fully have what we need yet, but I know they're trying to get this stuff. I know the governor, our governor is. I want to take a moment to welcome our sponsor, BMW of West Houston. Full disclosure, I'm a customer and have been for the last several years. Switched from another brand, which shall remain nameless, and I've never looked back. From the sedans to the SUVs, BMW of West Houston will put you in the ultimate driving machine of your dreams. The X5 and the X7, they're both on my wish list for when this podcast hits a million listeners. So please, share away, share away. A girl can dream. Check out this month's deals at bmwwest.com. Uh, I'm, first of all, amazed that after what you just went through over the last 18 hours that you're even able to do this interview and, and, and talk. So thank you, first of all, because I think that it's important for people to hear your story so that they can hear what the specific symptoms are that you've had um, and how you have been able to deal with this. Um, you know, as, as, as you've been saying, you know, nobody really understands what this virus is and it's, it's, it's terrifying and it's, it's frightening. Um, so aside from the, the, um, the liquids that you've been making sure you, you take at least once an hour and resting, what, what else have you been doing to fight this? Um, Mainly, I've been taking uh, higher doses of vitamin C. I've been using zinc and I've been using for, as supplements an, uh, an elderberry syrup that is an antiviral. So I, I kind of rotate through that and I, I drink a lot of hot drinks. I drink uh, hot chicken broths, you know, good quality organic stuff. I stick with only really good quality. And I try to drink at least four hot drinks a day because the heat, I was told, 
is what it does not like. So you can tell when you drink the hot drinks, the symptoms don't increase. You start to feel pretty strong. Um, I've also used coconut water. I've used grapefruit juice and I've used the Suha products, S-U-J-A. They make small little immunity shots that are filled with either turmeric or um, some types of probiotics, high levels of C. And it's almost like a little, a little shot. And when you drink it, it scalds your throat, but it, it just slams your system with good stuff to fight stuff off. So that seemed to me like the natural thing I would do if I had a cold, whatever. I always gravitate towards the lemon and honey drinks, hot drinks, um, airborne zinc, Zycam. I use Zycam. I take a, a zinc each day. And I think if somebody were, was to get this, and they were told, like I was, there's no cure as how do I help myself? Well, there's no cure. That's not an answer from the medical community. We could have a protocol based on things like what I'm doing. I'm sure there's other people out there that have nourished themselves through this. And that's, that's something the medical community could offer, even if they don't have a drug, they could offer just generally taking care of yourself in an old fashioned way that nourishes your system to beat something on its own that seemed to be helpful. Um, that's that's, one, that's one of the reasons why I, why I wanted to talk to you because it, it appears that, you know, we, the, the people are going to just have to take this on ourselves and start spreading the message about, what is working for us as individuals and just getting the message out there to as many people as possible. And, and that's what I'm, I'm really trying to focus on during this time with the podcast is to, is to share this kind of information so that others can, can benefit from it. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I have to tell you that the other thing that I think really helped me has been um, kind of keeping my mind very positive and believing that this we have God in our lives to secure us and and know the nights when I was frightened when the heat got really bad the fever got bad and I felt so bad I often just asked him to help me and um be there with me and get me through this and um I felt like that was really the only place I had to turn to. And that's fine. That's when I guess you do turn when you're, when you're scared. And um, thankfully I'm going to be done with this because I don't want to go through those nights again. And so if anybody gets this and they start to have those nights where you get really scared and, and everything starts happening, um, Try not to panic, I guess. You know, use your head and stay really strong in your head that like almost in a mental, I can fight this thing and I'm going to, and I won't accept that it's going to win. I'm going to accept that I'm going to win. That's been my way of thinking of it. Positive thinking, mind over matter, and just build that immune system because that's my weapon. 
<laughs> sounds kind of funny, but there wasn't really much else out there and it seems to be helping. No, I, I, it's, you know, turning to faith and turning to the power of positive thinking and um, mind over matter. Those things work. And um, it, it's so important that, that, I, that you're giving us a, a complete picture of what it's like to go through this. Um, I know when you're out of, when you're finally past it, you know, you will probably look back and have some, some major thoughts about, um, everything that's been going on. Um, but tell me what is, tell me, um, what your thoughts are in general about having gone through this and with um, just the, the, the protocols that are not in place that you think could or should be in place, understanding that this is new for all of us. But just, you know, as, as an American citizen, what are you thinking and feeling having gone through this? I'm thinking that we, we had we're just getting prepared in the last week. We're just receiving the things that should have been in place months ago, really. I mean, what I think we have to learn from this the most is that we have to realize this could happen again. It might not be COVID-19. It might be some, something else. But we should, for sure, in our country, have a system in place that turns on like a switch we shouldn't have to have uh, people like our governor hiring someone to search the world for the equipment that we need, have very little input from the federal level, have very little contribution from the federal level. Um, we should have tests uh, when we get them that, that are significant enough that the population can be tested that is showing symptoms. That's a minimum. And we should have tests that work. You know, if you if you tell someone we're saving the test for the person who shows up at the ER and they can't breathe and that's the person you test and they still have to wait four days to get the results. And maybe by then they're on a ventilator or worse. Why? How are you using your tests? Well, and then you have all these other people out there that are told like me, you're self-isolated because you, you, you're clinically diagnosed as a COVID-19 patient because our tests are failing. We could have had a system in place a month earlier, maybe, even, because it's taken three weeks or so to start to get the equipment in for the healthcare workers. The tests still obviously are not here. Um, we should have the system in place. We should recognize its threat and we should commit to a pandemic team, maybe on a state basis that is in charge of when this happens, they take over, they get it done. The healthcare system knows what's going to happen. And then they also come up with some good self-care information for the people who are at home so they don't feel like they're hung out to dry on their own with something that you basically are being told could kill you. It's not a, 
a comfortable feeling. I didn't watch the news at all. I kept that away because that is only going to scare you. So it was better to focus on other things, kept my mind stronger. And that's what I needed. So I would say we have an opportunity to, you know, get a plan in place in America, however they want to divide it up. I would not do it on the federal level, though, because we the states are where each state knows its needs better. And it should probably come from the people who run the state and set it up so that we never have this happen again. You know, if it happens, oh, we got something coming over from China. We already have our battle wear on. We don't have to go running for it afterwards, after we've already been attacked. That's, we can do better. We can do better. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to leave our audience with um, that might help them get through this next this next phase that we're all dealing with? I think it's really important to know that most people get better from this. It was the one thing my doctor said to me when I was really frightened the one night. He said, you know, you are going to get better. And 98% of the people that get this are going to either be mild or moderate in the case they have and you will get better. It will take a while. I felt reassured by that. And he told me that I'm a mild to moderate case, more moderate than others. So I had some stuff going on that might've been a little bit more than the mild case. And I know that um, there was nowhere to go with it. You know, you're just, you got to be in your house and you got to take care of yourself. And there's no magic pill. You just have to, you just have to do what is, uh, you know, maybe what your grandma would have taken care of you back in the day, you know, keep you full of fluids and keep you warm when you're chilled and just realize that there's an end to it. And I'm not quite there at the end, but I, I will be, I'm planning to be, I'm planning to be since it started. Cause that's the way that you have to take this stuff on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Leslie, I cannot thank you enough for giving this um, perspective from such a personal place um, for the benefit of our audience. And I I know everyone who sees and, and listens to this wishes you complete and total health very, very soon. And, um, and thank you so much for, um, just for taking the time to, to, to share this with us and just be well, please be well and, and keep us posted on how you're doing. I'll be checking in with you. Okay, Linda. Thanks right. so much. Thanks mm-hmm. so much. You take care. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. If you or someone you know um, are dealing with COVID-19 and might benefit from some of the personal experience and advice that Leslie offered, please share this podcast so that others can, can benefit from what has helped her. And we're going to do our part and try to put together some sort of 
um, protocol to help people just understand from and benefit from other people's experience in dealing with this. Uh, this is a time when we truly are in this together and we have to depend on each other to get through it. So thanks again for giving our guest Leslie permission to speak and for having the courage to listen with an open mind. Please download and subscribe to this podcast and uh, help us keep spreading the word. Take care and be well. We'll see you next time.